0: Listeners, and welcome back aboard Costume Station Zero. I'm Bob Mitch, and we're here with the second half of my discussion with Paul Salamoff. We're going to be talking more about creature building, the importance of found objects, a little preview of what's to come at Gallifrey One, and of course more on our Morbius monster build. So please stick around, and here we go. (coughs) So I, I think the other cool part about the the build process and what I think you know anybody can jump into because this gets into you know, having fun with found objects was uh, building the circuitry and stuff inside Morbius's head, which was really just, you know, taking whatever you find it. Lowe's or Home Depot or what's in your junk drawer and repurposing it to to what works. I'm thinking even in terms of the uh, Ice Warrior uh, handgun, Mm -hmm. you could build that out of foam, but I think that could be a fun piece to repurpose. I
1: mean, we had so much fun. I mean, like, you know, with that in, you know, as you know, Bob uh, was one of the people who helped restore the TARDIS, and we built a lot of, like, really fun little props that go in the TARDIS bag, uh, the doctor's bag. I think that's almost the fun can be the most fun part of the process is using found objects, using things that are, you know, Bob and I had a great time. We went to the 99 cents, store, you know, which obviously doesn't get much cheaper than that. Um, But, you know, yard sales are great. You know, 99 cents stores, just stores, junk, junk dealers, you know, um, you know, places like that. You can find stuff for so dirt cheap. That is, you know, 80% 80% of the thing you need. You know what I mean? And, and you might cut parts off of it. You might add stuff to it. But once you start kludging it together, and that's the sort of the appropriate term, you know, you see these things come alive and then you throw on a paint job on it. And it's like, wow, this looks like the, you know, it looks like it was always one piece. Mm. That's fun. That is, That is a lot of fun. I would definitely recommend if you can do stuff like that. I know like a lot of people would build steampunk type oh, of stuff. Yeah, you know, that's how definitely. they do it. Mm-hmm. And, um, it really gives it a very realistic I mean look, this is how they do it professionally in mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times. You know what I mean? Um you know and look, there there's also things where if you're more skilled and experienced and understand the whole mold making and, you know, process, you could you know, clued something together that's just held together so tentatively and where you've, you know, you've used putties and stuff like that just to seam up areas and then you make a mold of it and then you pour that piece out of plastic and then you have, yes. you know, you have a really sturdy, you know, piece and that can be done as well. Or, or let's say, let's say you have some kind of suit where you need multiple parts, you know, you have to decide, well, you know what, it might be worth the investment that you know, the investment monetarily to make a mold, you know, make a prototype part and make a mold out of it because you need 20 of these pieces and the amount of time and money it would take you to manufacture them individually, you know, w- wouldn't be worth it compared to just making a prototype, molding it, and, um, and then, you know, just, Pouring up multiple pieces, it could it wind it might wind up being easier and less expensive.
0: That's true. Um, I, I know for uh, found objects, uh, 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 hobby kits uh, like for cars or planes mm-hmm. are great to kit bash. I know that's a common thing most people know about, but in case you don't, it's just taking your your model car. And uh, taking all the weird little bits off and seeing what bits look good as circuitry, like for my Cyberman chest unit. Uh, all that circuitry is from, like, I think a 57 Chevy model kit, but sprayed silver. Mm. And uh, the buttons are literally jacket buttons. And uh, for the – oh, my breastplate for the Vok Robot. That's a car mat cut yeah. in, a, in a certain shape with a foam, little uh, half-inch foam tubing you can get uh, for insulation at Lowe's, cut in half, put on top of the gloss paint. And some applique paper that I just printed up uh, from Word.
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember Bob and I found like a uh, an abandoned printer. That we, oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that we tore open and just ripped out all the circuitry from the the printer to make stuff from Morbius's. That's head. right.
0: And the the coolest part from that printer, the big surprise was the cool little uh, decal dial. Yes. Yeah. Yeah,
1: which was I mean, like, and it's it's funny the kind of stuff you find, you know, in the interiors of like technological stuff that's no longer relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, old phones. You know, old cell phones have mm-hmm. fun stuff you can pour. You know. You know take from also it's like you know Bob just brought up Lowe's, I mean, dear Lord, we found so much stuff there that you know you go to the plumbing section or you go to like um where they have stuff for air conditioning, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's so many things that I wouldn't be surprised that's where the original prop makers went and bought the stuff sure. because there's stuff you can buy that's dirt cheap, like you know like little fittings and hoses and stuff like that. Um, Or weird-looking screws or stuff like that that Mm -hmm. just give so much personality and texture Mm -hmm. um, to props um, that can be done really, really inexpensively. So um, that and it's and it's fun. I mean, I, I I I thought as aggravating as it was trying to find the dome for Morbius, yeah, building the interior of that head and building those eye
0: stocks that was. Fun. That was big time fun. That yeah. was fun. The the eye stocks I think alone pretty much owe their existence to Lowe's. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was um it was uh two red halogen lights yep. that you would use for outside or whatever, and a bunch of sprinkler parts. Yeah. Yeah, and a yeah. drain cover. And a drain does. cover, yeah. yeah. And uh that we you know just sort of fused together and seamed up and sanded and then painted and you can't tell.
0: I, I know that the uh, what was it um, right the the eye stocks were like that. The domes of course were tricky. Once in a while you might have to go a little further out for a certain shape, like mm-hmm. we did for the domes. Uh, but usually that should only be one thing. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully like yes. in our case. Yes. Which strangely enough ended up being the most expensive part of that costume. With yes, we yeah. thought we'd get by with salad bowls, but not not so lucky. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I, I just think that's a it's it's a great way to go for for certainly props and, and knocking things together and uh, and you're right in creating. Oh, um, the switches on the TARDIS console I thought were uh, it was a great improvisation because we yeah. couldn't find the original switches. Yeah. So craft beads sanded down with little tiny nails. Yeah. That's all you need.
1: That was crazy. That was the heart We could not. Find, they were. They 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 must have been something off of uh, you know some old kind of switchboard switchboard machine or something. We just couldn't, and we tried making them out of. We we had so much, so many things we tried, and we tried machining stuff. We tried, and it just wasn't working. And somebody mentioned craft beads. I don't remember who it was. It was a brilliant I thought idea. It was your wife. Oh, maybe it was my wife. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, she said it reminded her of like beads. And I'm like, Oh my God. I didn't even think about it. We never looked at this section in Michael's mm-hmm. and they had these craft beads that were almost identical. Mm-hmm. They just needed to be sanded down. They had a little texture on. We just needed to sand them down and they look perfect and they cost next to nothing
0: which is the perfect recipe for costuming and to be clear these are like long uh craft beads you'd have on like a beaded curtain for anybody trying to picture this and again i'll have the links to the blog you can check it out to see what we're talking about but yeah it's it's finding solutions like that that i think it's it's part of the treasure hunt and it's part of um i love it when you can nail it and it was somewhere right in front of you and it Mm. cost you like a dollar ninety nine
1: yeah i mean that's the best thing because i mean look if you're going to embark on building creatures like this or, or props or something, I mean, I should hope you're doing them because you want to enjoy making them. <laughs> that it's not like, oh my God, this is like a job, you know. Mm-hmm. It should be fun. And, and part of the fun, Bob and I would be laughing our brains out when we would find stuff that was just like no-brainer stuff. And it was like, it kept it fun and, you know, you know obviously things get like stressful or like it's hard, you know, hard to build, but... It was a great experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a great experience. We had a lot of fun doing it, and there was some very those magic moments were exciting. Yeah, were really exciting.
0: Yeah, and it was it was always interesting to see the stuff we thought. Oh, we'll we'll find that here. Yeah. And we wouldn't, and then we we get stuck on it, and then we'd stumble across it. And other stuff we thought could be difficult, yeah, we'd actually find very quickly, yeah. or figure out very quickly, yeah. And that's always the way. It's always what I what I say in traditional costuming. Uh, oh, you think that's out there? We'll go try looking for it, yeah. And there there lies the rub. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's uh, that that both the, the TARDIS console and the Morbius creature were, were really fantastic pieces to work on. Um, I, I wanted to ask in your uh, career that what what was your favorite? Um, piece that you made or creature
1: the two things i always tell people and they ask me my favorites are you know the dogs from something about mary just because you know i was one of the the main people on them um but uh the octopus from ed wood
0: oh yeah yeah
1: which was um you know it's the one without the motor Mm -hmm. um and that was entirely foam constructed it was me and this guy ken hall um, whose brother is Cleve Hall of, of, uh, the monster that Monster Man show. Mm-hmm. Ken and I made that, that octopus and, uh, it was really fun. And, and there's great, here's a little great little bit of trivia for you. Um, <clears throat> now, as you know, they used that octopus in Bride of the Monster, but like if you've seen Edward or you know the history, they stole that the, the octopus to use you know, for Bride of the Monster. So mm-hmm. it wasn't built for Bride of the Monster. Mm-hmm. And I always ask people, do you know what movie it was actually built for? Um, and I'll tell you now. It was a John Wayne movie called uh, Wake of the Red Witch. Huh. Uh, and that's what that fake octopus was built for that they stole to use in Bride of the Monsters. So uh, we actually watched Wake of the Red Witch and then we sort of Tim Burtonized um, the uh, the octopus a little bit more just to give it that sort of Tim Burtony feel sure, sure. But that was a lot of fun because it was a very iconic prop.
0: Oh yeah, no, yeah. Oh. yeah. Everyone remembers that scene from the movie. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I actually went to Griffith Park when we filmed it. It was a lot of fun.
0: That's cool. Wow. That when when Bella was in the lake. yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, that was awesome. So would would you call that um, your your best experience in, in making props or costumes and creatures? Um, I mean, I wouldn't say best
1: experience. I mean, yeah, I mean, just just it was it was a fun thing to make it was just one of my favorite things just because it was um it was so iconic sure and it was like you know i liked ed wood and the movie was phenomenal mm-hmm. and it was i was very proud to be involved with it with a film like that so um definitely yeah definitely there
0: i always like to ask people um do, do you have a um you know a costume mishap story or um um you know where maybe uh something went a little wrong or you had to push a deadline and went a little crazy I mean, I'm sure you were always pushing deadlines, but uh.
1: okay. So specifically, costume oriented, mm-hmm. right? Because most things go wrong with the makeups. <laughs> um, costumes tend to. Uh... Oh, yes, I have a great story. Actually, this this is horrible. Actually, okay, <clears throat> I built uh, for Doug White. I built uh, the um, Crash Bandicoot suits if you remember there was that ad campaign where they had Crash Bandicoot there was a guy in a Crash Bandicoot costume you know with a megaphone or whatever and he would like annoy people Mm -hmm. Um, and so I built a number of those um, Doug had packed everything for me and I just had to basically show up and you know get out to set it was a very early call so, I get out to the set, I unpack everything, and I realize that he forgot to pack the orange leggings mm. and that you can't really shoot this thing without the orange leggings mm-hmm. and yeah, and then you know I called up doug and and he was like, "Oh crap, they're sitting here on my desk. and there was no time. there was no time to i mean it was like hours away, mm-hmm. so <clears throat> you know, at points like that. You want to keep the panic down to a right, minimum, right, you know what I mean? Because it's right. a commercial shoot, um, so you know it's set is about troubleshooting, right? So we actually sent a PA to see if there was any stores that were anywhere near that would have something like that, it's just mm-hmm. something they could use. But there was first of all, there's no stores anywhere close to this. But we sure. were out in the middle of nowhere. Okay. So I'm like, what am I gonna do? So I <laughs> I got this really bright idea. I had some orange dye that was like paint dye, right? Okay. And I went to the costume depart I went to the costume department and asked them if they had a white t-shirt. Uh-huh. So I found a white t-shirt and I took a they gave me a bowl, a metal bowl, and I poured in all the dye that I could into it with some water uh-huh. and basically dyed this white shirt as close to the orange as possible, right. and then dried it. Thank God we were out in the desert, so uh-huh. it dried really quick, dried it, and then knowing I had only this much fabric to work with, hand-stitched two leggings out of it, just as, as you know, as long as, you know, imagine a shirt, mm-hmm. you know, as long as that could be, I, I just stitched two tubes, basically, mm-hmm. hand-stitched them, because no one had a, a sewing machine sure, there, sure. and it wound up working. I mean, uh, you know, we I mean, did have to fess up to production, but uh, we just made those seams. You know, like the Superman suit, we made sure those seams weren't being seen because mm-hmm. they were horrid looking. You mm-hmm. know, what I mean, I do not sew, but I mean, it was like, you know, it was a panic to get these things done. Um, but it did work, and and they were able to shoot the commercial. But that was that was the most horrifyingly <laughs> stressful moment in uh-huh. my career. You know, it's like, wow. It was literally like, talk about pulling something out of your ass. Yeah. I, I dug deep. I <laughs> dug deep on that one. <laughs> but you saved it. Thank you for reminding me of that story, <laughs> My therapist said I should never talk about that.
0: <laughs> but, but it makes you stronger, right? Yes, yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't actively costume yourself, but do you have a favorite um event or convention that involves costuming that you like attending, even if it's just to observe? Um, I mean look I'm, yeah. the the
1: Doctor Who convention I mean it really the Gallifrey One convention has always been my favorite convention to go to. um it's you know, I feel like it's the family there. I get to see really cool costume. Look, I I used to you know, Comic Con I gone on every year. I used to be a heckler at the costume <laughs> contests. I had a big group of people and it was like to see who could out heckle. I don't heckle at the Doctor Who conventions because they're they they're you can it's made with love and you can tell these people really putting the heart and soul into it. Mm-hmm. Um including uh, us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, that 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 would be the convention I I enjoy, you know, and also it's because I love Doctor Who so much. So when you see somebody who's recreated something that I happen to love, um it's exciting cuz I'm tired of looking at anime, you know, characters or characters I could care less about at sure. the Comic-Con uh you know, costume, co- which, you know, obviously, do some ama- I've seen some amazing stuff over the years. And sure. I certainly will give props due to those people. But um, a lot of it just goes over my head because it's stuff I really don't care about.
0: Yeah, no, I, I understand. The
1: umpteenth it's... Sailor Moon costume I see in yeah, as Jeremiah, much as I Yeah, I appreciate
0: a stormtrooper and a slave lay. You, yeah. you, you get uh, burned out when you see, like, the 20th one. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. So, it obviously, you know, when... We made uh, Morbius, and I, I, I like asking this question. How do you, Where do you stand on going for uber screen accuracy versus just going <laughs> for the general read of a costume? Like
1: yes, yes. That's a really great question, and we I know we wrestled with that. I tend to want to go as close to the... F- feel of the character as possible because that's the whole idea. You know, if you're going to recreate something, I mean, I'm not, it's not a reboot to me. You -hmm. know what I mean? I'm not trying to, you know, Morbius, we really wanted to be as accurate as possible because it's such a, (laughs) it's such a crazy design to begin with. I don't even know how you would improve that design because (laughs) I don't think there is, I just don't think there is a great version of that creature. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's, it, it works for some bizarro reason and I love it as it is. Um, so we really tried to be as accurate as humanly possible. Um, and the times we had a veer from that, it was either a, for budgetary reasons or just um, time reasons, or just not being able to, you know, do something maybe exactly the way we wanted to do it. So we tried to, You know, we tried to be as accurate as possible, but also make it wearable and, you know, a nice display piece as well.
0: Right. You had to keep in mind hey, this is going to get worn on a convention floor or a stage. It's going to get seen up close. Yeah. Um, But I do remember a lot of the time on the paint and on the hair um, and in the texturing that we were trying to go, it's not 70s enough or not ganky enough. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah. But we also did like, I, I think we actually. <clears throat> did improve like some of the our texture is a little bit more, you know, contemporary textures as opposed to there's a lot of flat textures on yes. Morbius and also the color the paint job. I think we got a little bit more uh, clever with our paint job mm-hmm. to give it much more of a depth kind of look to it, mm-hmm. which I think really lent nice to the because this is a really beautiful display piece. So,
0: well, I remember that a good example of this is how remember uh, working on the claw. We're looking at how it is in the show, and it's yeah. really simple in the show. Yeah, and we're looking at the action figure, and they did improve the claw in the action figure. Yes, yeah, but a lot more texture, a lot more teeth, and we did cut a small difference. Yes, it, it does lean to the TV show, but it definitely has a little influence from the figure. Yes,
1: absolutely, you absolutely, know? absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it was like we couldn't, you know, as much as we love the original, we couldn't. It's like I, I can't make this this bad. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> But I love, I love Morbius. There's oh, no yeah. question. I mean, like that's the thing is, like Bob, like Bob, God bless your heart. I mean, that was the one thing that could pull me out of retirement. I mean, I hadn't, <laughs> I hadn't built something like this in over ten years, and right. that's that's the truth. And I just loved Morbius so much. And when he said, "Yeah, let's build Morbius," I was like, "Yeah, I'm on board." There's no way. Is knowing hell, I'm not going to build this. <laughs>
0: I, uh, another little tip for people, uh, and I think I said this in the blog, but when building stuff like this, make sure you have ample time to try it on and work out any weird kinks in the practicality of wearing it, because unfortunately, we pushed it so close to the deadline that although I had time to wear the suit, and the suit itself wasn't too bad I mean hot, but I knew that going in, uh, we didn't try it with the helmet on till the very end, not realizing that the weight of that created visual um, visibility problems for me and we still need to potentially fix that if I ever wear it again or I need a very good handler
1: <laughs> like I, get- I just told Bob to just to toughen up <laughs> <laughs> I <remember that. laughs> You wouldn't believe the co- – because I, I, I've been a SAG puppeteer and I've worn a lot of the costumes. I mean, that thing's – that Morbius is a dream compared to some of the costumes I've worn.
0: Uh,
1: my only concern <laughs> is I just didn't want to fall off that stage. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, no, time. no. We he, Bob is 100% right. <laughs> I mean, it's like I wish we had – and you know, it wasn't really our fault in, in the sense of it was the TARDIS that sort of took – precedent yes. to get done. Mm-hmm. We had actually given ourselves plenty of time to build Morbius and it was just finding those ah, those that that those bowls, those uh you know the the domes, the, the domes, the domes really held really held us back. And uh then it, it wound up being you know George the last minute and I, yeah I would have liked a couple more days to really yeah he's a hundred percent right you want to definitely give that thing a road test and, you know, it's so funny. A lot of times what happens is people, like, they get into a suit and they they don't want to move. You know, oh, I don't want to damage the suit at all. Now's the time to damage the suit. Yeah. Because you damage, you take a suit through its paces mm-hmm. before you take, you know, because that gives you time to, like, make those fixes and, um, you know, realize that if I raise my hand this high, my arm this high, it's going to tear. Mm-hmm. Better to tear it now and to fix it so you can raise your arm higher than be on stage and tear your arm gusset. Yes. You know what I mean? To realize that, wow, I can't really walk. I have to shuffle.
0: Right. Right. You
1: know what I mean? It's better. It's better to quote unquote damage your costume, especially if it's a monster, which is easy to repair. And, and you know, it always gives it more personality, anyways. Usually, depends yeah. on the monster. Yeah, it depends right. on the monster. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, if you're doing the and warrior, it's gonna be a little bit more yeah. difficult. Um, well,
0: that's an uncomplicated build. Yeah,
1: um, but uh, you know, he's he's absolutely right. You definitely want to go through your paces on a costume and leave yourself time for repairs, mm-hmm. so you don't have to deal with that on set. Or, you know, at a a convention.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because a lot of people listening to this uh, either probably are already working on their own project or maybe are interested, oh, one day I'd like to do a monster or something along these lines and complexity... Um, and, of course, we're lucky that we're here in California. We have a lot of great resources, a lot of, and the industry is here. So we, we have easy access to stores with these sort of chemicals, with this foam and so forth. But um, for people here and, and not here, where do you recommend that they go to first get their, their starting materials?
1: Oh. Hmm. You know, look at resources on the Internet in your area. You might be surprised that... You know, a lot of these places do have either outlets or do have, you know, sell stuff or sell similar stuff or we know how to get th- that stuff. Um, so the internet is always going to be the best resource, oh, you know, especially sure. with the foam. You know, you would be surprised. There There might be <clears throat> some of these manufacturers. I mean, look, the hair, like the, the hair that we would have manufactured for, um, you know, movie monsters, that was being made in Boston. And, you know, you'd be surprised that there are a lot of places that locally might, like magic, you know, places that sell magic supplies or, you know, of course, um, because Halloween has become such a big business, you know, they're now Halloween stores that are open year long. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And they might have things like latex or stuff like that or – but I I think that that's – you know, or there might be actual local – affects people you know in your community or or so forth that you might be able to find you'll be you know just making that extra effort to -hmm. take a look you might be able to find resources you had no idea that were right at your doorstep
0: no that is true yeah Uh, and i definitely recommend uh uh you know online mail order shopping when you're totally up against it like we had to do for the dome yep uh i know locally uh you know obviously a good starting point is michael's or any kind of hobby store, uh, uh, hobby shop, even with model kit parts, might have certain you know glues and stuff you need. I always say you know we've been talking about glues, but in particular spray glue, barge, uh, very important. And you can even get barge at at uh, Osh or Home Depot, uh, but not in the quantity we <laughs> we have. Yeah. Um, and there's lots of good um, uh, chemical uh, spots. I pick stuff up at like um, Silipac and there's Smooth-On. And uh, I know, uh, I think Namies has a lot of this yes, stuff. Yes, of
1: course, yeah. Beauty supply stores. Mm-hmm. A lot of beauty supply stores have, you know, effects kind of stuff there, um, you know, especially the bigger ones. Um, you know, uh, you were mentioning, um, yeah, Michael's. Now, what was that stuff? What's the name of it stuff that? Um...
0: that. Uh, oh, oh, it was called, um, it's like HodgePodge. Yes, that's what it is. HodgePodge. Hodgepodge.
1: Okay. I had no idea what this stuff was, mm-hmm. and it's sort of like we use a stuff called PAX paint, which is basically <clears throat> mixing acrylic paint with a uh, a glue with like uh, an acrylic glue, and it's very expensive to make. But then, found out about stuff called Hodgepodge, which is. Is like a, a, a almost like a, a glue, whatever. I mean, it really adheres that you can mix different acrylic colors in to paint stuff. And it, it really sticks to latex. It really sticks to, you know, uh, certain stuff. Um, and it, it's amazing. It saved us because. Totally. It totally saved us. And, and I had no yeah. idea about it. Yeah, on the mm-hmm. brain and, because. Uh, Buying uh, prosthetic ad- adhesive ProSaid, it's very, very expensive. Very expensive, and this was almost like the same kind of stuff, in in theory, uh, in essence. You know what I mean? That we could use and mix with acrylic paint colors and get the exact same technique. Uh, and there's different variations of it. Some it's more like crunchier and flexible than others. Mm-hmm. So you can even play with it. Mm-hmm. But and it was dirt cheap. Mm-hmm. They sold it at Michael's. I wish I knew about it.
0: I mean, it's like wow. It was described to us as God in a jar. Yeah, and it, really and it was. was. Yeah, it was. Uh-huh. And, uh And that's a very important point. Um, uh, when painting latex, people, <laughs> you do need an adhesive in there. Yeah. If you try just to straight paint it, it won't. It won't stay. Yeah. Yeah. So very important. Very important. I learned that the hard way when I tried to paint uh, Cyberman gloves four years yeah. ago. It looked great on the first coating. Guess what? As soon as it moved, it all flaked off.
1: Well, because you need, basically, think about it this way. Latex is a flexible material. So if you're going to paint a flexible material, you need to paint it with a flexible paint. Yes. Otherwise, it'll just break off. Yes. Um so, you know, there's so many like different techniques and, and effects for painting, you know, uh, you know, latexes and foam latex. But I mean this is like high end stuff. Mm-hmm. This is very expert, you know, advanced techniques. So this hodgepodge really works. Yeah. It really works. It's a very like low end technique.
0: Absolutely. You get
1: the, you know, same design. You might not get the <clears throat> maybe the sort of the um it's a little bit more opaque and it's not as, uh, you know, you, you don't get that sort of like skin sort of like uh, opacity with it. But, you know, you can be clever with opaque painting where you paint layers, you know, like veins or things on top of things. and You can give that sort of opacity to it you yeah. sort of this fake opacity to it
0: yep you just mix it in with the paint at uh, the desired level and you, it yeah. might require a little trial and error but it definitely works wonders and it, it totally saved us on the I, I believe i did describe it in the breakdown uh, as well so yeah. again just yes there would be a lot, of, a lot of cool links here folks that you can go yeah. check out on this but it was it was really awesome great stuff so um i also like to ask in in all the years you've been doing this what's the most important thing you've learned
1: Huh. In a, in a, as far as building stuff, trust your instincts. I mean, like, really trust your instincts. And, yeah, I mean, it's really about in, enjoying the process. I know it's kind of a weird thing to say. I mean, like, you know, things I've learned. I mean, you know, I've learned techniques, obviously, like you know, uh, you know, gluing techniques or hair techniques. But I mean that I it would bore you to death trying to explain those things or it would be really too impossible to try to, you know, explain. It it's just the ability to find pre existing stuff, that's what I've I, I learned. That not everything needs to be built from scratch. Yes. You know what I mean? That things can pre existing stuff can give you great head starts and it's best to start off with that first. Usually cheaper. And it's cheaper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or even if you're paying more, it's less aggravating. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, and and always don't be afraid to ask for help or ask advice from people who know. Right. You know what I mean? You can always learn, you know.
0: I, I love the example on your uh, classic Dalek, the, uh, the eyes. Um, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I had built a...
0: Uh, <laughs> well, not the socks, sorry, the, the lights.
1: Yeah, well, no, both, both. I mean, like, I, I had built a Genesis of the Dalek Dalek, uh, which I always wanted to build. And, you know, the light domes was like, oh, where am I going to find these? And I went to a car park. Po- it was like a car junkyard. It was a graveyard. And I just was looking for different... I, I found the rear lights to this old... 50s car or 60s car and it was almost exact it was almost exact it looked exactly like them and i bought those parts for like next to nothing i found two rear lights um because they only had one in each of so i had to like do some digging around and found them but it was fun you know going to a junkyard Mm -hmm. you know and finding this stuff uh and then trying to find two of them and then it was like well how are they going to attach the head because there's that black gusset and i went to lowe's i brought them with me and i swear to god it was a part of a toilet (laughs) and it was soap and what was really uncanny was that these lights fit into the whole you know the, the toilet part perfectly so perfectly that they're not even glued in place they're just held on with friction mm-hmm. so i can take them out take them off to access the light if i ever need to replace the light mm-hmm. and it's just like who'd have thunk this piece from a junkyard and this piece that i this new piece that from a toilet that i bought from lowe's would be the two best parts in the the most accurate screen accurate for this dalek
0: yeah, no, yeah. It, it was. It's brilliant. And again, that's just uh, uh, the ingenuity of found objects. Yeah. I, I always like to recommend to people, aside from the usual spots of hardware stores and hobby stores and so forth, uh, always keep your eyes open wherever you are. Yeah, um, for repurposing stuff. You could be at Target. You could yep. be in a department store, uh, uh, exact garage sales. Yeah. Um. Anywhere, and junkyards are, are great places. So it's yeah. always just a matter of just keep your mind open, keep your eyes open, and and uh, and observe.
1: You know. You know what's funny? I know this is sort of somewhat off and on topic of this is that <laughs> i one of the things that we when i was you know working in makeup effects was always annoying was that you always needed um like a chemical or like a glue but you just couldn't you know in your hand but you you couldn't hold it in your hand you know what i mean and stick a uh, you know a brush into it it was just really inconvenient and i found that <laughs> there was a restaurant Maybe it was even on campus. Maybe when I was still in like USC and you know, they have those metal things that hold up like signs, like hold up menu signs. It's a little like half dome with a little like circular part that has a thing you can slip it in between. When they have a little lip on it too. Mm -hmm. And I realized that those things turned upside down was like it had a place you put your finger through like the, you know, the round part Mm -hmm. and then you had this upside down metal Dish, yeah, and it fit perfectly in my in on my finger, and I I can have a couple of them even hold a couple of them with like a you know a solvent and a glue. Mm-hmm. And so I would just go and like steal those things from the, you know, like every once in a while I'd go and I'd just, you know, abscond with a, I only needed a couple of them, mm-hmm. you know, with them. And it's like, wow, it's like, this was designed to hold up menus right? and it was like perfect for, you know, for doing this stuff. You know what I mean? Like for, you know, holding chemicals. It was like.
0: Repurposing you know. for a tool. Which yeah. Is great.
1: Not, not one of my, you know, prouder moments, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you can buy those things too.
0: Something that occurred to me while we were uh, working on Morbius uh, was that not only was your experience invaluable, but um, you had or had access to all of the right tools mm-hmm. we needed. And I know that materials are one thing; having access to these tools, if someone doesn't have a very well-stocked, you know, uh, garage or machine shop, um, is very crucial. And I and I guess I I just want to say like what. What do you feel are, are key tools to have in your arsenal to start going on this kind of thing?
1: Well, razor blades, number one. That's, like, number one. You need a box of razor blades. Just your normal double-edged razor blades. Um, you can buy a box, what, five bucks? Five yeah, to ten dollars? Yeah. <throat> um, because when you cut foam, it dulls knives. That's why you don't want to use, you know, a nice knife that you have or a mat knife or whatever... You know, it'll, they dull the blades. It'll go through them like, you know, uh, all the time. Um, so that, that, that's an important tool to have. I mean, if we're just talking strictly foam construction, I mean, you're going to want measuring tapes. You're going to want good rulers. You're going to want good, uh, sharpies. Uh, you're going to want butcher's paper. You're going to want good pairs of scissors. I mean, Those are, you know, and then, you know, cheapo brushes, like, um, you know, either acid brushes or, like, chip brushes, those really cheapo, cheapo, like, buy them for 45 cents because they'll get ruined. Oh, yeah. You don't want to use good brushes for that. They'll get ruined. Um, And, um, you know, those are really, and those are all very inexpensive tools to have sure. for foam construction. Now as far as like building props and so forth, I mean, that's where it gets a little bit more expensive. You're gonna want, you know, a bandsaw is a great thing to have. Uh um but like a hacksaw if you need it. A vice. Yeah. You're know, definitely gonna need a vice to yes. hold parts. A power drill. yeah definitely a power drill with some good drill bits. Ones that can bore through metal, one that can draw through wood, ones that can bore through um, you know, plastics. You know, all different sizes Yeah, hot glue gun. That's right. God damn it. Hot glue gun. That's your, that's a a girl's best friend. (laughs) Hot glue gun. Yeah, boy. So much stuff. Hot glue, duct tape, and sino. Mm -hmm. You can build anything. You can build the world with that. Um, I would say those are the best.
0: Those, yeah. And sino, by the way, is super glue for this. Yeah, super
1: glue. Mm Sinoacrylate, thats what it, that's what it is.
0: Right, right. A lot of different brands; but, uh, they, they all perform pretty much the same function. And uh, yeah, I, I think that that hits the the basics. But there, there's a few more things mentioned in the uh, the uh, blog that uh, if you if you want to go crazy, you, you can head further down. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, uh, similar to this, maybe it's the same answer. I always ask, uh, "What is your number one piece of advice to newbie cosplayers?"
1: Try to make if if you're really new to this, try to don't. Is funny, you know, as exciting as it is to build something very elaborate, know where your skills lie. Give yourself extra time. And, you know, make sure you do ask questions of people who can answer questions, get advice Mm -hmm. on how to build stuff, listen to Bob's, you know, podcasts, read up on, read up on this, watch behind the scenes documentaries, watch shows like Face Off where you can physically watch people construct this stuff Mm -hmm. so you get an idea a visual idea of how these things are actually made uh and but you know try to build something that is in your purview that that is in your skill level Mm -hmm. and then once you start developing these techniques then you know get more and more creative and more and more you know uh, difficult things so you know don't try to uh don't try to go for the gold in the first time out of you know, first time out.
0: Be prepared to make mistakes and learn. Yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Be prepared to make mistakes and don't worry about making mistakes. Well the great thing about foam construction is, you know, you can always take a hairdryer and unglue a seam. You know what I mean? <laughs> or or you can just start it's there a lot of these materials are really cheap. You just start again. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or re repurpose stuff or or just you know there's there's a lot of ability to it, it, it sort of builds in a lot of being able to make mistakes and still have a great final product.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I always like yeah. to ask people, uh, what costume project are you working on right now or what's coming up in the pipeline? I know you're retired, but of course I know what we're talking about for Gallifrey. Do, do we want to discuss just a little hint? Of do what's we? To come? It's up to you. Well, it's not like people didn't know Morbius was coming. They just didn't see it.
1: Yeah. Okay. So we had so much fun with Morbius and, second to morbius you know bob and i have discussed that we want to make a zygon oh yes yeah we really want to do a really kick ass zygon it's a very uh it's not a very difficult thing to build other than maybe the head uh so i think that's what we're going to do next is is build a, a build a zygon cuz that i cannot wait yeah I mean, I have never seen a cosplay Zygon, and I've
0: seen one in England, and uh, I, I think we could certainly equal it. I think we can. Yeah. we can really bring it home.
1: It would be such a fun thing to make. Um, a very, um, um, a lot easier than Morbius in a lot of respects, but a little bit more challenging in some respects. So sure. I'm sure we'll, you'll, you know, once again, Bob will do his awesome, awesome, incredible like. You know, pro- process of us making it, and uh, we love to share. We love to share our techniques and love to share how this stuff is made. And you know, once again, we'll keep the finished product hidden so we can do a, a great little uh, reveal at the Gallifrey Convention. But I think that's that's uh, that's what's going to be coming up.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And uh, being that we're <clears throat> big Tom Baker uh, fanboys, it's uh, yeah. I think we both have a, we both share the love for the Zygon. Yes. Yeah. 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 And uh, hope they uh, make an official comeback one yes. day on the show so uh so paul i know you have a lot of uh, current projects going on do you want to discuss that a little bit for people to check out
1: yeah sure i mean you know as, as you know and as we've said a number of times i've, I've i'm retired <coughs> i'm retired from uh you know makeup effects i'm a writer producer now um i'm was just fortunate enough to be uh voted as one of the top up and coming writers working in Hollywood right now uh by the tracking board. And then I just sold a uh a spec uh script, a spec horror script to the uh one of them is the producer Scott Pilgrim, the other one produced like Scary Movie One and Two. Congratulations, thank buddy. you, thank you. I'm very proud of that. Um that's called The Last Breath. Uh and that was just in Variety last week. I have a number of projects I'm, I'm I'm working on. The thing I'm most proud of at the moment, uh, two things simultaneously. Uh, I did a I wrote a graphic novel called Discord, which was a big critical success. I did a Kickstarter campaign for a prequel series called Tales of Discord. The first issue is going to be coming out. Uh, the digital edition of it is going to be coming out. You know, knock on wood. Uh, this week. Um, and, uh, those will be coming out over the course of the next few months. There's five issues that will then be collected as a trade paperback. Um, and also, uh, the newest edition of my book on the set I wrote a non-fiction book that uh, it's now in its third edition it's everything you need to know about working on a film set so for those who have aspirations of actually taking your cosplay to the professional level uh, this book is definitely you know uh, the t- a book you want to read because Absolutely. yeah it gives you a br- an overview of of uh, you know every department on a film set and, and just you know the terms you need to know and the etiquette you need to know and then it has advice from experts and this new edition adds 56 pages to the book it's now almost 300 pages and interviews with the likes of uh brian singer and dustin lance black who wrote like j edgar and and uh, milk won an oscar for writing milk it has uh production designers like patrick totopolis prop builders like scott mcginnis who did inception and 12 monkeys and girl with a dragon tattoo uh it's got special effects people um I'm trying to think who else I added to the... Oh, actors like Noel Clark, you know, uh, Doctor Who's own Mickey Smith. Noel Indeed. Clark is in the new edition. Uh, the Wire, The Wire's uh, uh, Andre Royo, who played Bubble uh, Bubbles. Uh, he's in the new edition. Doug Jones, a creature effects, you know, actor and uh, creature effect creature performer. He did like Silver Surfer and Pan's Labyrinth yeah. mm-hmm. and Hellboy. Right. I mean, just a whole like 18, uh, 18 new interviews with uh, professionals, you know, already people in it are getting Alan Hurd and Owen Roisman and uh, you know Wes Craven. So uh, the third edition it, it goes to the printers this week and uh, will be available everywhere, Amazon bookstores, um, uh, in uh, late September.
0: That sounds awesome. I also wanna a little shout out that uh, those interested in uh, Logan's Run, Paul wrote a really fantastic uh, retelling of that story with Logan's Run: Last Day. Yep. And your sequel is uh, Aftermath,
1: Aftermath. Aftermath done, and I'm actually working on Rebirth right now. I actually owe the scripts to Rebirths issue three and four. Uh, uh, you know, as soon as humanly possible. So I'm continuing with the Logan's Run comic book series. Yeah,
0: they're they're a great read. I recommend. And,
1: and Vincent Price presents. Uh, oh, yes, right, right. Vincent, yeah, I actually just found out uh, uh, doing another issue of Vincent Price presents.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'll post links to all of these in the, in the post so people can uh, go right to it and check it out as well as your uh, website.
1: Oh yes. My website, please. Uh, uh, my website is just paulsalamoff.com. So it's P A U L S A L A M O F F, uh, dot com. Uh, that give you all the information and please, you know, look, uh, come, come to my fan page. I have uh, Paul Salomoff writer, uh, producer executive i think that's a uh, that's my fan page please join my fan page i'm always updating it uh i got a lot of exciting stuff coming up that i'd love to share with you
0: awesome well uh paul this has been terrific uh, love talking you know cosplay and morbius as always absolutely thank you so much for being on and we'll be back next week with more costume shop talk here at costume station zero <laughs>